Go to filmcomment.com to read Queer and Now and Then, a bi-weekly column written by me, Michael Koreski, in which I look back through a century of cinema for traces of queerness, whether in plain sight or under the surface. Topics so far have ranged from Hollywood classics like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and Tea and Sympathy, to experimental works by Gregory Markopoulos and Derek Jarman, to art cinema masterpieces by Chantal Ackerman, and by recent trailblazers like Dee Reese. Check back every other Wednesday for new entries. Present Tense is a new filmcomment.com column by me, Sheila O'Malley, where I write about the various intersections of film, literature, art, and culture. Check out Present Tense and other regular columns on filmcomment.com. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Nicholas Rapol, the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. Recently, I was speaking with a colleague who had just come back from a summer vacation. He said he went 14 days without seeing a single movie. This tragic fate should not happen to anyone, but it does happen. And so we decided it was high time to have an episode talking about new and upcoming movies. Just in case you find yourself not going to the movies, or wondering which ones to see, or heaven forbid, going on vacation and doing something else, Film Comment is here for you. For this episode, I was joined by Maddie Whittle from the Programming Department at Film at Lincoln Center, who's written for Film Comment, and Devika Girish, also a contributor. Also, I'll just come out and say it, we do talk a bit about Midsummer, carefully. Let's go to the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rapold. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and this is a podcast about new releases. Uh, we've just did a rep report, or recently did a rep report, uh, but uh, we're sort of spinning off into talking about new releases as well. Uh, for this episode, I'm very pleased to be joined by... Uh, Maddie Whittle. I'm Programming Assistant at Film at Lincoln Center and a contributor to Film Comment. And... And I'm Devika Girish, and I'm a contributor to Film Comment. I, I guess you can probably guess that we may not talk about the various enormous studio sequels here. Uh, not that we're going to snub them. I'm sure we'll catch up with them at some point. Um, and you can read reviews by Mike, Mike Sragow online, who's been fairly dutifully keeping up. Uh, we just wanted to you know, put the spotlight on some other movies, uh, some of them mid to small or big in another world. Uh, the world we like to live in, maybe a bit more. And so one of the big, most anticipated ones is Midsommar, which of course has people running to their Swedish pronunciation books to see how to correctly pronounce it. And it's coming out, I want to say July 2nd, 3rd. You're probably right. So, yeah, 3rd it is because yeah. it's a Wednesday. July 3rd. Uh, and But, you know, we've seen press previews of it. In fact, Devika has just come from one. So we're going to start with me with the... Well, no, I'm, I'm just, you're just, you're just, I, I was just thought I'd point that out. In oh, case, okay. <laughs> seared on your brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in case uh, you, you faint, faint or something. <laughs> that there's, there's a reason for that. Um, Maddie, take it away. Okay. <laughs> All right. So well, just I, tell us a little bit about it. Like, sure. The outline of it. Sure. So uh, Midsummer is directed by Ari Aster, who uh, had a uh, well-heralded debut uh, with Hereditary last year. Uh, which was sort of caused a stir. It was an A24 film that 
people like to group in this category, sort of controversial category of elevated horror or sort of a, um, right. a, a, a particular kind of horror that was not quite willing to identify with the horror genre uh, in interesting ways. Uh, from a critical standpoint. Um, But Hereditary was a lot of fun. It was, um, Tony Collette gave a great performance. Uh, I don't know if a lot of fun. Well, (laughs) a lot of fun uh, by some definition. Um, I don't want people to rush out there. Yeah. (laughs) Or the masochists. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Um, And so Ari Aster's next feature was eagerly anticipated um, and has been in the works. uh, Was... Also an A24 release and uh, was screened last week simultaneously across a few different cities for some film Twitter influencers and critics and a mishmash of people who are up on that sort of thing. Humble brag. Yeah, I I, I actually was there as a plus one technically uh, as a a programming partner, but uh, everyone there was... You know, somebody on film Twitter. Um, well, that makes me makes me feel special. Yes, I well, was there. What it was, a night to remember. It was a it was very much like a glamorous A twenty four outing where they uh, made you feel glamorous. Um, they gave you food. Yes, exactly. Which, wow. And drinks, which is all it takes. <laughs> it's just, all very good to hear, guys. I'm um, yeah, I'm pretty hungry after spending three hours in the theater just. I'm sorry. Short I time ago, but. <laughs> Well, all of all of the trappings aside, yep. uh, I think it's fair to say that everyone came out of that first screening a buzz uh, with uh, things to say about this movie. It is a movie that um, I imagine is going to be polarizing when it comes out, and there are going to be people who are rabid fans and people who denounce it and dismiss it for various reasons and it's probably going to go through the same cycles of backlash that hereditary went through if you're sort of following the microcurrents of critical sentiment you sort of know how that pattern plays out um but plainly speaking i thought it was great mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it i um thought it was a lot of fun it's very funny in ways that i think hereditary hinted at but never quite didn't quite pull off um i think midsummer pulls off in a much more concentrated and successful way and uh, it's it's very scary and it's creepy in some of the same ways that hereditary is creepy and uh sort of a ready-made cult hit i think Mm. um in the same way that a lot of A24 movies tend to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I just thought it was really, had some interesting things to say and uh, smart ways of saying them and we can get into all of that, but mm, yeah, I've yeah. said enough. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I did, wait, did we talk about like the actual, the story? Of no, it? no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. No, no, I, I, I just realized. The story. The story of the story. Um, how, do, how does one describe it? I mean, I guess basically there's a there's a there's a couple that's sort of seems to be a bit on the rocks uh, at least um, a young couple and uh, then the woman in the couple undergoes like a personal tragedy that you know it's, it's kind of this classic situation that I 
think it's not too uncommon where a, a couple that's sort of <laughs> sort of having problems already then has some event that they're completely unprepared to deal yeah. with. Like, you know, the, the relationship was isn't was not there. Now it suddenly has to be there. And so they they find themselves kind of playing the roles of like two people uh, who were supposed to be there for each other, but weren't really. Um, I mean, I especially have to say that the guy's kind of a doofus. Um, <laughs> so, so it's, it's the woman basically who is, is really, uh, played by, um, Florence, Florence Pugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's cause she's so good. <laughs> she's terrific. Yeah. Um, so that's the setting of it. And, um, also another thing that I've actually, for some reason, um, maybe I'm in the bad social circles, but I've heard of this happening as well, where the guy was on a, going to go on a trip and so, you know, basically didn't tell his girlfriend about it. This, this, this has happened, yeah, right? Yeah, this is, this is one thing that we can get into, but I think this yeah. is a movie that, as much as it's about all kinds of big things like grief and yeah. being part of a tribe, it's also about relationships among millennials, like romantic relationships, and like sort of the quirks and and uh, foibles of <laughs> That's a polite millennial way of dating, <laughs> and I think this is something that yeah. what you're what you're expressing. Yeah, these are scenarios that we've all seen before. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's going to go on a trip with his buddies, um, who are like his Greek chorus of dudes, and apparently didn't really quite tell her. But so then there's you know she, she invites her belatedly, um, and so they go on this trip, which is. It's a trip to one of his friends is like a Swedish American. I think he's just Swedish. He's just he's Swedish. A okay. He's just a, he's a foreign there. student. He's full-blooded Swede. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, so th his family he grew up in that commune. Oh, but the commune I thought was in Sweden. Yes. Yeah. So okay. hence he oh, is right, Swedish. Right, right. He it's, might have naturalized. Well, that's true. Yeah, know. you never know. You give <laughs> they give the sense I thought that he was just there for his phd program oh, and see. then going yeah. to go back to sweden that's 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 a better but reading i don't know that i may have been projecting no I, I that's that's probably quite true um anyway so they go to they go to this this uh, his his family's compound which is this strange little village by village really just kind of a, a bunch of buildings in a clearing in this kind of veil and that you know things are kind of odd i don't know how much beyond that I should go but basically it's like a festival that that they have on a regular basis and this is this seems to be an special edition of it yes it's uh and i've actually i did a little bit of reading oh yeah midsummer festivals in sweden use you know there's there's this you've probably seen on the posters there's this sort of symbol that's uh constructed out of wood and decked yeah. with flowers and that's the same symbol that is used in midsummer fest in which, the actual yeah, yeah which i had no idea I didn't. I assumed that that was something that Ari Aster had invented, like yeah. in Hereditary. There's a similar like symbology, uh, uh, but yeah, this is real, real. and that, I think yeah. that's what this is riffing on. I think yeah. it's supposed to be like we take the Swedish tradition of the Midsummer Festival and our commune does something kind of weird with it, and right. you're invited along to see how ours plays out. Right. Right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. I. I was kind of fruitlessly retweeting random Swedes who were tweeting like happy midsummer and no one was really <laughs> noticing it but yeah that's how i found out as well when you type in midsummer you just see a bunch of swedish messages yeah. with, with that mm. i guess and it's the shape of an ankh is that the right word oh, like, which is like a cross with a loop on it that's that's oh. the, the kind of sort of semi-phallic maypole kind of yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. thing that they have um, I, yeah. Yes, I felt very ignorant to learn I, that I, this yeah. was actually a thing. I know it's crazy that there can just be a long-running festival yeah. that you don't know about in Sweden. 
<laughs> Americans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's also a bit what the movie's talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yes. don't know. Um, yeah. If you want to pick that up. Yeah. Um, well, as was mentioned, I just saw it about 30 minutes ago. So I'm going to pour out my yeah. you know, not fully digested thoughts. I saw it at the, you know, poor film Twitter club screening, apparently. Where they actually um, confiscate your food. Yeah. You <laughs> um, they actually charge you for the press screening. Um, it was, it, yeah, it was an interesting experience. I guess I was TLDR uh, a bit underwhelmed mm-hmm. overall, which was surprising because I I scare very easily. Like I'm very susceptible to jump scares and the creeps and gore and all of that. And so I was really just prepared to be assaulted, you know, with all kinds of disturbing imagery and twists and plugged my ears the whole, I, I don't know, the whole time I was like, something bad's going to happen. And I felt a little bit let down. I think overall, I definitely thought it was a bit overlong and it's really well done. I think it's very beautifully crafted. And my favorite bits definitely were these like these ordinary relationships. Um, the romantic relationship, for sure. There's so many just little things, very subtle things that you can point to that seem uh, very relatable. But also another thing I liked very much was this premise of these anthropology PhD <laughs> yes. candidates deciding to go out there. So it's not just you know, in a different movie, it could have been, we're just going to go and, you know, do drugs and experience this cool thing. Mm-hmm. But they actually have this anthropological mission. And mm-hmm. that is, I think the movie does critique that in this kind of colonialist anthropological mission. And, and you know, it's the classic also, the fear, the, you know, uh, wanting to know more gets yes. you in trouble. But here, I don't know, there's a kind of more, um, much more everyday twist to that yes and uh, one of my favorite scenes was when one of the characters I won't say I'll try to kind of talk around it but see something really disturbing happening it's one of the first disturbing things they see and his reaction is I'm going to write my dissertation on that <laughs> which is so ridiculous but it totally makes sense right yes. like they're gonna keep doing this so I loved that kind of setup Um, But I guess overall, something about the whole film was a little too slick for me. I mean, it was just way too, like, shiny and choreographed. And I kind of, everything felt a bit telegraphed to Mm -hmm. me. Like, everything, I I saw everything from a mile away. And, And I was saying this earlier, I think it is random and strange enough that I just bought everything that happened, like, in a way that... I wasn't shocked or surprised. Anything that was happening was, well, okay, yeah, this is a weird cult, so I'm sure the, these sorts of things happen. <laughs> and it wasn't, like, outlandish enough that I was really, like, enjoying the thrill of it, I guess. So for the, for the most part, I think I was just kind of admiring the pretty pictures. But my theory is that all that choreography and all that sort of orchestration it was kind of doing the work of like something conceptual, yes. which I felt was lacking, especially by the end. Uh, I s- Counterpoint? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think I see what you mean. I think I, I, I take your points. I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about whether this is a horror film that I think gets at some of that. Mm. Uh, and I 
don't really know how I come down on it, but it's certainly true that it's a movie that is more disturbing than it is scary. And it's uh, disturbing in a way that isn't always surprising. Like, especially if you've seen Hereditary, you might kind of have a sense for where the rhythms are headed and what, what, um, what the shape of the story is going to be. Um, but, and I, I, I think that in some ways you're exactly right, that it's more about surface than it is about depth. And it maybe postures towards having depths that are really not built out. And it's, it really is a movie that's so enamored of its shiny surface. Um, and, and the sort of, um, the way in which something like a cult can be built out of shiny surfaces that, that tell a story that, that, um, that explain the unexplainable and that create order and, uh, systematize existence, you know? And, and like, I think that it was kind of, uh, sort of formally saying all that without necessarily um, having a well-developed conceptual basis. Um, that would be my argument in favor of what it right. was doing. And I don't, I don't know how well it works from like a, from an empirical standpoint. Um, I found it to be very uh, effectively unsettling and like the way in which it sort of captures the weirdness of grief especially and I know that this is something that people joke about like we talk too much about how horror movies are about grief and it's true I mean it's 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 a little bit of a cliche but in this case it really it's a movie that it's sort of about feeling alienated from everything around you and how that is set into very sharp relief when you've experienced a loss and everything is just everything just becomes strange and foreign and you have to sort of relearn how to integrate with the world of people i don't know i i mm. i thought it i thought it achieved something there hmm. interesting yeah it's funny you talked about surface and depth because i was thinking about it in the same terms when i was watching it um cuz i thought it was it's a movie that that has the the surface like construct of of folk horror i guess this is what what he he called it when in, in an interview um and which is you know not to invoke the, the wicker man but just something where you're going into a ritual where you're not familiar with it um and then suddenly you're totally caught up in it and then you're questioning not just everything about yourself personally but maybe also everything about your whole moral ethical and social norms that you have and especially with this actually like you know genuinely you know, well, well-established relationship issue. <laughs> yeah, there's also that that's, that's making you, um, I, I thought, well, I guess just in talking about it right now, that's how it gets sort of deeper for, for me. Um, and don't worry anyone, we're not going to talk about the ending. In fact, I won't even spoil, maybe there's not an ending. Maybe it's just a movie that continues and there's no ending. Or maybe it's um, just the start of a new franchise. Maybe it's the start of a new franchise. Never to end. Never to True. end. <laughs> oh my God. That, I think that would probably just, yeah, be too much for people to take. Um, but, I, but I did feel by the end um, that there's that the, the kind of surface that he's doing got left behind and I was just dealing with this very inst instinctual response to what I was seeing that was um, very intense and it felt like the trappings fell away and I was just feeling the direct drive and emotion that almost went into making it and that wasn't even like knowing 
you know, I happened to have talked to him a little, but I don't, I don't, that wasn't informing. It was really by the end. Um, I mean, I think it's no surprise to say that since it's a, a, a cult like situation, that some kind of, uh, I want to say absurd things happen, yes. but, but I, I, I didn't feel like I was hanging on, you know, more absurd things to happen or, or wonder, Oh, what's, what's he going to do to top this or this or that movie? Because the whole thing already felt like very, um, artificial. Like it's this, it's this very, very brightly daylit kind of village he's, that they're in. And it is like a day horror movie. Yes. Um, and so I, I didn't, I just somehow didn't feel that it was falling into the, the beats. Um, I don't know. I was hoping this would come out a bit better, <laughs> <laughs> but by the end, I just, I just really felt, um, it's, it, it, it's, it almost, uh, surprised me because the, the, the genre subgenre is like leading you along with certain expectations. Um, and again, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Ari Aster is making an original yes. <laughs> film. Um, and you're just, it's difficult to distinguish the film, how it, by the end, whether it's like a, it's, it's not an allegory, but it's not a metaphor, but it is somehow just this very primal expression of really extreme emotions that maybe aren't foreign to all of us. Yeah. Um, so that's how, I, by the end, I, I really, it really got me. I don't know if that makes any sense. I guess I, I, Maybe I'm just a better person than you guys because <laughs> I did not feel those emo extreme emotions. I'm kidding, but um, <clears throat> I was thinking just as you both were talking that I think there's like things about the film that I don't like that I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to come down to just like things that certain people can kind of latch onto. And yeah. people, like I can't really mm. make necessarily a convincing argument for why it didn't work for me yeah. in the face of what you guys are saying because I think it's just like to me that what you said about it being like a ready-made cult film mm -hmm. that it did feel a bit ready-made to me in certain ways um, but I can also like I can see why that adds to you know this the thing you talked about this uh, enchantment with the surface um, and and that can be an appeal for some people if, the emotional arcs didn't work for me they the first half they really worked for me but the way it kind of paid off at the possible end of the film, um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I mean, I don't have anything smarter to say about it than I just couldn't believe. Like, I just yeah. couldn't buy it. And it felt kind of simplistic for me to go from this, what it built up about this relationship and all of these people to where, you know, the outcome of that. It Again, it felt pretty telegraphed and there wasn't much added along the way that made me feel like okay this I didn't see this coming right away and it's now like I understand it more fully but again like I I do think that's something that might just differ yeah. uh, based on what people latch on to I that's interesting because I I sort of feel the same way like I can't necessarily defend my positive response to this film other than it worked for me um and i think that that sort of speaks to the kind of movie it is i mean it's and and sort of speaks to its primal um sort of the the way that it touches on very specific feelings and experiences and it's like like i think in some ways the fact that it's very much an a24 film 
means that you sort of you sort of know what you're getting into by watching it. A24 is very very skilled at creating this kind of package of aesthetic, uh, production story, you know, narrative around the author, uh, marketing apparatus, and, and just sort of constructing these very beautifully self-contained pop culture objects for us all to consume. And so you sort of know what you're getting when you reach out your hand and grab one of those objects and try to engage with it. Um, and this was very much, this movie delivered on that, uh, that kind of expectation, which I think is part of what made it feel, tell, it made it feel like I'm buckling up for a roller coaster that I have been on before or that I know exactly what all the twists and turns are going to be and I know what kind of experience I'm getting into. And the, the thing that makes it work and that I think makes it really strong and impressive and stand out is the fact that there are these moments that maybe are sort of embellishments to the act, the, the mechanism of the plot but that give it kind of a like a texture that is something different. Like there's one scene and I don't want to I don't want to give anything away but there's a scene where the lead character Danny played by Florence Pugh in what I think is a just an outstanding performance. I think she's really it's breathtakingly good in this role. Uh, but there's a moment where she has seen something very upsetting and she is crying. She's kind of having like a panic attack crying and she's kind of curled up in a ball and heaving and sobbing. And these women surround her, these women from the commune come around her and they all start, start sort of rocking back and forth in time with her and sort of heaving and sobbing in time with her, just like in response to her crying. And it's, it's something I've never seen like a scenario like this in a film before. And as I was watching it, I was just mesmerized. It felt like, like somehow just conceiving of this situation felt very original. Like kind of reminded me of, I don't know, when you like go to a women's bathroom at a club yeah. or a bar <laughs> and you're like crying yeah. or, you know, or you're like heartbroken or something yeah. and like all these random women just converge on you and say things like, men are shit. Yeah, or, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, it, it did kind of evoke that that sort of feeling um and it was like very bodily it was very like we're gonna we're gonna mm -hmm. help get you through this by mimicking your response and sort of easing you through it and i thought i thought like yeah that was very powerful to yeah. me and things like that are what made this movie work for me i think yeah i've, I've found that I've, I've i haven't had the experience of being in a women's bathroom <laughs> uh but but i i also thought that was a remarkable scene because a lot of the movie was um this just strange interplay of being like in inside and outside that group and this group that's really, you know, reaching out to these two visitors. Um, and I don't think it's in a, what it's great about the movie is the movie doesn't wink at something like that mm -hmm. really, which is really key because a lot of the thing would just fall apart if, if he was winking at it too much. So like the sarcasm kind of comes from like one or two of the group um, uh, more, more than anything else. And yeah, just that whole idea of empathy and, how would how would a totally different community from yours deal with empathy and how yeah. would it how would it enact it if if yeah and that was that's it's a scene that's hard to describe the impact of it and i don't know did it did that moment feel menacing or did it mostly just feel kind of wondrous in a strange way um i think 
it felt like a bit of both i could kind mm-hmm. of see what was happening the kind of shift that's happening at that moment yeah. and i think the the thing that kind of defines this community is that you kind of can't tell if they're menacing or if they're genuinely this familial compassionate community and so mm-hmm. and they're doing just like kind of fucked up things um and then they have this very i don't know hokey but like very harmonious justification for it and what's um confusing is you don't know if they're evil you don't know if they actually found a better way to live life so <laughs> yeah. so i think that moment kind of captures that mm-hmm. um i think for me in that equation the thing that doesn't work is i never really saw conflict on part of the protagonist i mean right from the beginning i felt like she was kind of easy prey for this setup mm-hmm. because she just has this like very absolutely dark thing happen to her her boyfriend's just you know awful and she doesn't ever do anything bad in the film she's just kind of passive and sad and being swept along so it never felt like there was a moment where she was ethically or emotionally confused or torn or investigating anything about herself especially so that's like that's kind of the end of the balance that i or the the side that didn't work for me but i think the community itself is is interesting and is presented in more ambiguous ways that that are fascinating um yeah i i, I mean i was interested in the kind of choices that she has to make or that she's she's you know forced to make uh, at different times and i guess i don't know we guess we've talked a lot about <laughs> one movie for it i guess it is new releases plural and and amanda did you have anything else you wanted to add at the end or not no, I'll leave it at that. I'll I'll yeah. uh, look forward to talking to more people after more people have gotten a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't. Yeah, we don't. This is sometimes I guess we're going to talk about stuff that's further on the horizon. So that's where we're kind of using a not a ten foot pole because that makes it sound like it's bad, but you know, like a four foot pole. I'll see how I sleep tonight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll get back to you about the you know uh, I wasn't scared part. Right. <laughs> that's right. It just went straight to the subconscious. <laughs> you were like, "This is fine. I'm fine." You wake up in a cold sweat. Um so moving right along to another piece of horror I guess we could we could might be one transition um now you don't know no if we're going to talk about dead don't die or the plagiarists um <laughs> but actually the plagiarists has something in common maybe a bit about midsummer right yeah I mean, actually you kind of easing into a, a uh, strange situation yes and trying to make sense of yeah of a situation that confounds sense in certain ways yeah and, and in ways that you don't even know how to like it's sorry to dive right in sure please with the, with the plagiarists there's like this this uh this sort of pivotal question is about a way of being in the world that is just not how people act or are supposed to act and it's subtle and it's not really hurting anyone but it's it's confounding and that's uh it's true that is that is a sort of weird parallel between these movies join us at film at lincoln center on thursday june 27th at 6 30 p.m for a very special film comment free talk queer and now and then for this panel writers wesley morris melissa anderson mark harris and fariha zaman will join me michael koreski for a personal discussion about the state of lgbtq cinema and how things have changed or haven't and go to filmcomment.com to read my column, Queer Now and Then, for a bi-weekly deep dive into the history of queer cinema.
Present Tense is a new filmcomment.com column by me, Sheila O'Malley, where I write about the various intersections of film, literature, art, and culture, covering everything from Frank O'Hara's movie poems to David Foster Wallace on Marlon Brando to the subtextual romance of Ripley and Hicks in James Cameron's Aliens. Check out Present Tense and other regular columns like Feeling Seen, April Wolf's Classified, and Imogen Sarah Smith's Phantom Light on filmcomment.com. Uh, so just to back up a bit, uh, just the story of the plagiarists. It's uh, a, a young couple going to visit a friend, I guess, it seems like it's upstate New York or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their car breaks down, which is already like a bit of a horror premise. Uh, and it's in the woods. Uh, and they end up being helped by a friendly passerby who, who turns out to be um, a neighbor. Um, and, you know, he kind of gives them a place to, to, to hang out for a while. Um, but they just can't figure out what, what, his, what he's up to, really, if, if something else is going on. He's a bit of an interesting character. And, and I guess it's worth mentioning that he's black and, I, and race, I think, is one of the themes of the film. Yeah. And they are unable to place his eccentricity, I think, initially, because, because they just don't know who he is. And he's this like really friendly black man who is talking very comfortably about a wide variety of things, very smooth talker. He has old cameras in a room somewhere and he lends uh, this old 80s TV camera to uh, the male protagonist, Tyler, who decides he's going to make some kind of Sundance-ish movie with it. So all of this happens. And then I guess the real, I guess the turning point for me, I don't know if this really has a plot with points, but uh, is the next day, um, the girl protagonist, she is reading uh, My Struggle, the, what's his name? Carl. Carl Oveg Nausgaard. Nausgaard. Okay. <laughs> and and she realizes that she had this really heartfelt conversation with uh, Clip, their friendly host from the previous evening. And one of his monologues, which he had presented as if he was talking about his own childhood, was like verbatim from this book. Um, and that kind of sets off a series of questions about authenticity and plagiarism and whether the guy was lying and what is what work does that do socially. And, and the interesting thing for me there is when he's first, the guy's talking to her, I think she's kind of like, oh, this is the wise, you know, magical kind of black man giving me this advice about life and telling me these fables. And then she is um, really, she can't kind of, um, reconcile the fact that it those weren't his own words, which is strange because he's just so eccentric that it's not that strange that he was just like <laughs> reciting some random passage. But that becomes such like an ethical question. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. And the fact that he doesn't acknowledge it, like the fact that he just passed, passed it, it off as his own, even though it was not like he's, it's not like he's publishing it. It's just in the course of a conversation. Right. And and I think it's it's her feeling of being duped that is right. unsettling for her. And it's worth noting also, I think, uh, the, the couple is, uh, they're two white millennial Brooklyn artist types. Yes. He is an aspiring filmmaker. She's an aspiring writer. And they're going on like a weekend retreat to their friend's house in the woods. Yeah. And it's like, there's that coming into play also and their whole cultural way of approaching the situation of being put up for the night by this older black man in his house in the woods Mm -hmm. uh unexpectedly and 
the ways in which they are caught off guard and sort of have to grapple with their own assumptions and the uh, frustration of their assumptions. It's very, it's very finely tuned story that's about sort of nuances yeah. in, in social feelings. Yeah, yeah, and it and it's a it's a movie that I think only gets stranger in terms of its frames and the framing as 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 it goes on in, in an interesting way. And uh, yeah, I mean their their projections and and their fears are, are just grow to be kind of even more absurd and and and, and funny. Really, I mean, I, I guess what one thing I loved about the the her getting so peeved that he didn't cite his sources <laughs> in, in like drunken conversation yeah yeah is is i it's very funny and and you know which i had to think about it's like why is this so funny because why does it why does it matter i don't know i was trying to think what the equivalent is like if i started like reciting poetry i guess i would probably signal that i was reciting poetry i mean it's not really the point but to just you know i'd, I'd like if i cited a line of shakespeare to say yeah. like, oh you know well, I think Whatever. it's feigning that it was his personal yeah. experience yeah. Um, and not just like reciting d words, but like yeah. talking about it as if it was his childhood. And I think that, um, you know, kind of throws her off balance. But I do agree with you. I'm, I think that, that is interesting that she gets so offended by it uh, and thinks of it as deception, which is why right. I think there is maybe something racial there yeah. because it's it's. You know, not people. If you're if you're living in New York and Brooklyn, people just say all sorts of false, pretentious <laughs> things when you know, with a little alcohol or without. Um, and so that is, I think, I mean, that is the question that the film is exploring, mm -hmm. and I guess it's also doing that on a formal level, which yeah. we can get to. Well, and I think the flip side also of what you just described was that she's astonished that he had this passage memorized word for word and delivered it as though it was his own. It's like, it's mm. not just about like the presentation of something as his own history. It's also just how like masterfully he pulled off the performance. I think yeah. she says something like he doesn't talk like that or something. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And it's, and the whole movie is, is mannered in this way that sort of, um, if you zoom out and look at the movie as kind of a, an artifact, it's very mannered in the way that the, the, the performances and the line deliveries and the very much feels like a performance mm. in a way that feels very calculated and, and deliberate. And then to zoom into the story and the fact that she is so disturbed by the naturalism of mm. this performance yeah. within her interaction, it's like, it's a weird, like sort of nesting doll kind of a, an experience of, picking apart this film and figuring yeah. out how it works. Yeah, no, that's, that's, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just seems like so much has to do with her own creative anxieties that yes. someone else could be so accomplished yes. just when she's at this crisis point of why can't I, you know, really write or, you know, and, and, and he's just tossing off a whole passage, which at the very least is a beautiful performance. Right. You know, right. it's like. <laughs> of erudition and. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, yeah, exactly. And, and things that kind of don't work for me in the film, but mm -hmm. also expand our description of the film, um, is that there's a lot of self-reflexivity in the uh, in just the construction of the film. So it's I, it's filmed with the same 80s TV news camera that Tyler finds in that guy's apartment and says, I'm going to make a movie with this. Mm -hmm. Towards the end, when um, Anna, I think her name is, she's talking to a friend and talking about this incident and friend gives her this very heartfelt speech about 
reading and books yeah. and writing and then you find out when the credits roll that that speech is just lift, lifted wholesale from some article in the guardian so mm-hmm. her friend is sort of doing the same thing right. that and i don't know if she's doing that in the diegetic world or right. what and or if it's the filmmaker doing yeah, it yeah yeah and mm-hmm. um i was i just i was writing about the film and i was having a lot of fun trying to kind of unravel all these layers and i guess i became a little like self critical of why i i was having so much fun doing mm-hmm. that and also kind of knowing like well i'm not i don't know there wasn't really, there's not an answer i mean they're just kind of setting all these different things into motion and the these uh things that are kind of intertwining and and canceling each other out and i to me the point of the film is to just to have kind of fun with it and mm-hmm. try to make sense of uh these various impulses and i guess i kind of lost a little bit faith in the film because of that because it felt really like insulated from engagement and mm. from any kind of real meaning making i guess which seems a little passe to me now to be that that kind of folding over on itself that kind of um yeah insular i guess would be my word yeah mm. it's it's very playful and in a way that can kind of veer towards being apolitical although i would argue that it's actually not apolitical but it can feel that way so it can feel like it's it's just a little a little mental exercise you know it's just a thought right. experiment mm. um that doesn't touch anything outside of its kind of hermetically sealed constraints um and i i i I would put actually push back against that argument but it is an argument that you can make. Mm. <laughs> I don't know what would win out in my imagined conversation but uh, I mean yeah. I did enjoy it. I yeah. I will say I enjoyed yeah. it. I just kind of I'm thinking about how I would evaluate it as a film conversation with other things I've seen sort of mm. um I think it falls short of some things in that respect for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the director uh, I was dropping initial, but it's James Kleinitz Williams. Or our, our oh rep. no, the director, no, the director is, is Peter Parlow, right. and the writer is James Kleinitz. Right. Writer producer, yeah. oh, okay. writer producer, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think there's actually a second person. It's like a two-person yeah, collaboration. True. Yeah. That's right. I can't remember. Actually, the other I guy's spoke. Name. Yeah. They, they did a little panel in yeah. Berlin, and there was a third person. But oh, okay. I don't. I don't Interesting. Um, speaking of Berlin, speaking of Germans. <laughs> um, uh, maybe we can just quickly before we wrap up. I know we, we all have to run. Uh, this is there's one last movie that maybe we can talk about um, that is actually on streaming uh, on Netflix. Um, but I mean, could have slash should have been uh, given a theatrical release. Um, that's a whole other episode we can do. Um, but the movie is how are they translating it? All good. Yes. All good. All good. Okay, just all good. And the German is. Alist Gut. Okay. Um, yeah. And I've heard that you can't find it on Netflix if you search the English title because of some um, just glitch. So wow. it's good to Yeah, good to know what the original yeah, title is. Yeah, know what you're yeah. looking for. Right. So you'll want to search for A L L E S I S T G U T without okay. all the accents. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um and Devika, this is a movie that you're a fan of. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Fan's not the right word. I was trying to come up with a similar no, word. I think, Meyer, I, mean, I, think yeah. I can be a fan of okay. it. Uh you know, we can be fans of difficult movies, I think. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I really loved it. I saw it at AFI Fest and I, I think uh it also played at 
new directors, new films. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Which Mandy is where can, I saw it. <laughs> you know, uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, I kind of uh, just discovered this film kind of on a fluke. I just walked into it because I had like a screening slot empty because I am a little bit wary of um, like hashtag Me Too films right now. You know, you get that press release and the titles like a, you know, Me Too, like a moving Me Too film. And mm-hmm. it's like I'm wary of films or the kind of marketing that makes that into a gimmick. And also there's just so much, I think we as, especially right now, culturally, socially, we're like, we still don't know how to talk about or even process the trauma of sexual assault. So cinematic representation, I think is still pretty fraught and doesn't, you know, it's, I don't know what makes it work or what doesn't. And so it's like hard to take a chance sometimes. It really paid off with this one and it's surprising. I mean, it's it's a really small and unassuming film by the director's Ava Trobish. And I should mention it played at Locarno and she, I think, won like the first direct mm-hmm. debutante director prize or something, mm-hmm. whatever the yeah. whatever it's called there. Uh, and so it, it's a really confident, very sure footed debut. Uh, the premise is very simple. A woman kind of, I think, in her early 30s, something like that, late 20s, early 30s is raped at the end of like a drunken night out uh, during her high school reunion by by an acquaintance. And the film is just her coming to terms with that. It's her going about her daily life, uh, navigating with a really dysfunctional and, and um, volatile boyfriend, uh, a mother that she's really close to but doesn't really know how to talk about this, uh, work where she is handling her boss's like failing marriage and abusive partner, like helping him kind of come out of that. So it's just her going through this. And then she also ends up having to work with the rapist. And he's just bombarding her with these very frail attempts at apology and and just, you know, just coming up to her at every turn. And so, you know, it's it's just a very straightforward exploration of that. Um, And I think it really succeeds because it's not gimmicky in any way it's not trying to tell a story it just follows the lead actress really closely and she is marvelous Mm -hmm. and I think the movie is just completely made by her performance and the way she is the central uh, kind of I guess what really makes the movie moving for me is it's about just the like labor of just being a woman and with this added and how do you then continue with that labor, that emotional labor that comes with just being a working woman or just a woman in modern society. And then you have to kind of fit this trauma into it. And there's not, you know, real set avenues to to process that trauma. And she's this extremely confident, like publishing executive. And she just doesn't know what to do with it. And she's carrying it around every day and and doing all this other work while trying to do the work of, of digesting this trauma um and that's just uh, the actress portrays it beautifully the camera stays close to her face most of the time it's very minimalist um not much music a lot of close-ups just allowing her performance to do all the talking that the film needs to do her performance and her relationships with the people around her um and yeah i i i just think it's it's disturbing but in the right ways and it kind of gets you thinking a lot about um, something that we've all been talking about uh, a lot these days and uh, an excellent example of 
exploring that in a way that feels sensitive and original, but also terrifyingly commonplace. Yeah. yeah, and to the point where, as you said, there's not really much of a story in in the the traditional sense. It's really just about the drama of her feelings and and her like day to day life with the new added burden of these feelings and the idea of trauma that doesn't, you know, make your life grind to a halt and bring everything to a standstill, but changes the flavor and the color of everything as you experience it moving through your life. And just how like, you know, she's fine. All is good. I'm good. All good. But obviously all is not good, you know, right. and that's that's sort of the the way in which you live with those two competing I- impulses is uh, what yeah. the movie's about. I think the pivot is really like either you acknowledge this trauma and let it kind of put a stop to your life and feel that you are in thrall of it or you keep trudging on and it still, you know, just kind of corrodes your life slowly and so I think it handles that drama and that kind of pivot really well and it doesn't it doesn't resolve itself I mean the film can't resolve itself so um, it's it's very thought-provoking in that way Mm. and I'll just as an addendum uh, another film that screened in new directors new films here at Lincoln Center was Pippa Bianco's Share which is also coming out soon which would make a very good double feature with all good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. We've been we've been talking about talking about that, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. movie for That's, a while. And it is yeah. um yeah, they do kind of similar things differently, different age yes. groups, cultural yes. different cultural things for sure. I, I don't know if you want to launch into that, but um, we have time. Yeah, I mean that that's maybe late July. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully I mean it's it's I think both movies probably deserve their whole own um, you know, um space to talk about them. It does strike me uh, interesting that both of them are streaming i think because share is an hbo thing i don't know necessarily it's getting theatrical release which which i don't know seems a shame that it couldn't have maybe both i guess i don't know yeah i I won't speculate i guess it's hbo so hopefully more people will see it Mm -hmm. it'll play at some kind of slot but yeah it is a bit of a shame that yeah yeah another beautiful film also yeah yeah and both films are shot so well Mm -hmm. first time uh you know women directors just Mm -hmm. definitely deserves uh attention ava drovich for all good and pippa bianco for share um and i think that probably brings us to to a close here um and there are plenty more movies we could talk about plenty we will talk about um but for what we did talk about uh, a big thank you uh, to devika and maddie Thank you for having me. Thank you. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Angie. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle.